Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, uh, friends and church family. Uh, Today is always a a very special day at Living Water Community Church um, because we love highlighting and celebrating our mamas. I I hope you enjoyed that little intro. But happy Mother's Day to all our mamas out there, all those who are holding down uh, multiple roles, especially now during this uh, coronavirus episode where now you're, you're not only working from home and and you're but you're also the teacher and the the PE coach and and all that other stuff going on so 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 we want to we want to just say thank you and we love you and we and a special shout out to a couple of special mamas in my own life I, I, obviously I, I want to um, highlight my my own mom Hazel I love your mom and the mother of my children Deborah and uh, my my lovely bride and and then the, the, the mother of my grandkids, Amanda and Tati. And so um, we love you. We're praying that today, as, along with all of our moms, is a very special day for, for everybody. Amen? Now, the second reason, the second reason that we like to uh, highlight this day is because 18 years ago to, uh, today, we launched our church. And so Living Water Community Church is 18 years old, to the glory of God, our Father. Amen? And, and so um, with that, we've, we've had many families and moms that have, believe it or not, joined Deb and I, uh, either from the very beginning or almost from the very beginning. Special shout out, special shout out to them as well. Diane Russo, thank you. You've been with us for forever, Miss Janice, and Miss Margaret, Miss Shelley. Miss Shelley was one of the first ones that walked the aisle some uh, 17 and a half years ago. Miss Michelle, you've been there. Miss Marge, Miss Eunice, Miss Lil, I haven't forgotten you, part of my power team. And both Miss both Angela's, Miss Angela's. And so we love you all, and I'm sure I'm probably forgetting a couple. It's not on purpose. It's, I just love you all. You guys have truly been the backbone of this church, and I want to thank you from the very bottom of my heart as we celebrate this Mother's Day. Well, we've been in a series that we've entitled The Names of God, The Names of God, and I, I hope you've been enjoying it as much as I have. Um, this morning, we're going to conclude our, our last week's message, which was the title of that was Jehovah Sabaoth. Jehovah Sabaoth. Easy for me to say, right? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> but we found last week that it translates as the Lord, Jehovah, the Lord, Sabaoth of hosts, or the, the Lord Almighty, or the Lord of angelic armies. I love that one. We're going we're gonna to speak to that uh, in today's message. But why were we studying? Why are we studying his names? Because of the promises that uh, are that are associated with knowing him in his word. Uh, Our theme verse is Psalms chapter 9, verse 10. And it says, those who do what? Say it with me. Know your name. Trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who do what? Who seek you. Let me read it again. 
Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Friends, I'm here to tell you that, that, that God can be trusted. And actually, he wants you to trust him. He wants you to put your faith in him. But if, but if you don't know him, you're going to have a real hard time trusting him. I mean, right? Isn't that just true? We see that played out in our everyday lives. It's, it's easy for me to, to, to trust someone um, that I know, that I've gotten to know, that I find that they're, you know, when they, their yes is yes and their no is no, and, and what they say they're going to do, they're going to do. It's easier for me to trust uh, someone who I know than for someone who I don't know to come up to me and say, just trust me. Yeah, you've had people say that. Just trust me. And, and you're thinking... You may not say it out loud, but you're thinking, I don't, I don't even know you, much less trust you. So, so, so God invites us to get to know him so that we can trust him. And that's the invitation that God gave through the prophet Isaiah. Listen, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, he says, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. In other words, when he says, let us reason together, he's saying, let us talk. Let us communicate. Let us get to know one another. Jehovah Sabaoth wants you to know that he's worth getting to know. And he invites us all to the table of his grace so that we can learn to put our trust in him, I reminded me of the story of, uh, you know, that, that Disney story with um, with Aladdin and the lamp, and he goes into this cave of, and he ends up with this lamp, and and out pops this genie, and you remember that song? He starts singing, "You ain't never had a friend, never had a friend. You ain't never had a friend like me." Folks, forget the genie. That's all fantasy. As far as far as I'm concerned, you ain't never had a friend like God if you get to know him and put your trust in him. He's that friend that sticks closer than a brother that the Bible speaks of in Proverbs 18. Look it up. That, that special friend that, that has all the resources of heaven and on earth at his fingertips. Amen? And, and when he steps into a situation, I don't care how bad things look, it ain't over till he says it's over. Amen? By the way, if you're following along on our social media, Whenever I say amen, say amen. Throw some hands up or, or indicate that you're paying attention, all right? We love the interaction. The, the, my team who, who is following along, they love that interaction. So say amen. Get involved. The name Jehovah Sabaoth is used, we said last week, some 270 times in the Bible. And when it's used, he's usually called upon in the context when God's people found themselves with their backs against the wall. They, they, they found themselves in, in do-or-die scenarios. That, the kind that, that if God don't show up, everybody's in trouble. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, you know what I'm talking about. Just like my uh, story about my older brother last week that I, that I shared, if you, if, you didn't, if you missed that message, go back and listen to it. It's worth it. But many of us... Uh, feel, well, feel like I did as a kid. Because while that stuff was going on, my big brother was in the back, you know, 
And when all that mess was coming my way, he was kind of quiet. And, and, and to this day, I was thinking, you know, you were kind of quiet. But he, but, but he stepped out at just the right time you know, when I needed him the most, and I appreciated that. But it, it kind of reminded me of our relationship with the Lord, that sometimes it feels like when we're going through mess, I don't, I don't know if you agree with me, but when we're going through those difficult times, it feels like all heaven is silent. Doesn't it feel that way to you? And, and, but somebody explained it to me this way one time. They said it this way. They said, the teacher is always silent during the test. Amen? The teacher is always silent during the test. And it may feel like you're, that you're going through something, and you may be even taking a few blows or taking on water like Peter did. You remember when he stepped out and, and then he started to sink when he took his eyes off the Lord? But God didn't leave him in that situation. When he cried out, God was right there. It may feel like you're taking on, on water, but Big Brother is watching, and he's not going to let you fall, and he's not going to let you drown. Now, what was that scripture that we learned last week? The one I said would be a good one to memorize, at least the first half of it, Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. Let's just say that first part. It says, no weapon forged against you will prevail. I love that. No weapon forged against you will prevail. It doesn't say no weapon wouldn't be forged against you. It just said it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Amen? And so you, you, you can't have a testimony without first going through a test. And so these things you're going to go through, and, and that testimony is going to, is going to uh, involve how Jehovah Sabaoth um, the Lord of hosts came to your rescue, and he, and he saved you like he saved Peter, and he saved so many others. You, you are, God is preparing you for a beautiful testimony. So we're going to pick up where we left off last week with the two people in the Bible who called on Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, and can personally and do personally testify to the truth that he is an on-time God. Uh, Miss Sheila, if you're listening, that's a shout-out to you. Thank you. Now, we met Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1, and she was the wife of Elkanah, a godly man, we said, and a sister wife to Penina. Now, just to give you a little bit more background, you know, we know that uh, Hannah was Elkanah's first wife and, and the one that basically had his heart. But after about 10 years, um, she was barren, and, and uh, I'm told that within the Jewish culture, so that your name isn't cut off from the land, it, it, back then it was customary then to take on a second wife. So Penina would have been that second wife, and her name, <laughs> we said, meant jewel on one hand and mouth on the other. I said last week, I don't know how much of a jewel she was, but she certainly had a big mouth. She wasn't, she wasn't content to... Uh, with the fact that she was the only one pushing out babies for her husband or, 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 or you know, making children for him. But she also had to uh, rub in the fact that Hannah wasn't, and I think probably because um, she felt like Hannah was still his favorite. And the Scripture does uh, make reference to the fact that, yeah, Hannah was the one that was in his heart, saying something to the fact that, aren't I worth more than 10 children to you? And but, but still, she, she was merciless toward, toward Hannah in, in her insults and in her comments and, 
And, and in Hannah's distress, the Bible says she cried out to the Lord, the, to, the, to Jehovah Sabaoth, and he heard her cry, and, in, and, and, and he gave her a child. But not just any child, listen to me. <laughs> he gave her a special, he gave, he gave, her, he gave her a trump. He gave her an, a, a, an Obama, a, 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 a George Washington, um, an Abe Lincoln. He gave her someone who would become the, the leader or one of the greatest prophet leaders in all of the nation, Samuel. That's, that's how God responded to her prayer. And, and, and then, then came along little David. We talked about him as well. He also had a testimony calling on Jehovah Sabaoth because he faced the giant Goliath. But he found out something awesome as well. He found out the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Amen? And, and, and that none of them, none, no, no matter what size of the obstacle, no matter how big your obstacle is, it's not bigger than your God. Can I get an amen on that? Well, that's when we came up with four good reasons to call on the Lord Almighty. Call on the Lord of hosts. And the first one we gave you was when you feel oppressed. And we cited Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10. Hannah, again, in deep anguish, prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. She was oppressed, constantly reminded of her shortcomings. And the response, 1 Samuel 1, 19, early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. And Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. And so in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Now, I love this because I don't know if you remember the story, but she, she bargained. Lord, so, Lord, if you would just grant me a child, please, if you would get, I, will, I, will, I will turn him back over to you. And, and she recited a, 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 the, the vows of the Nazarites. Those, those were people who were set, aside, set apart just to serve the Lord. I will turn, I will give him back to you. And because she was obedient to, the, to fulfill her vow that she made, dedicating her son to the Lord's service, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 18, this is the rest of the story. But Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord, and he wore a linen garment like that of a priest. And each year his mother made a, 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 a small coat for him. Now let me just say this. <laughs> Samuel, you know, let me back up just a little bit. Samuel, though he was a boy, he was serving the Lord. When David first stepped out, he was a boy, and he was serving the Lord. For young people, you are not too young to start serving the Lord. Don't say, oh, because I'm this age or that age, and I'm too young and this and that. No, at any age, you can surrender your heart to God and begin your service to him. Verse 19, each year his mother made a small coat for him and brought it to him when she came with her husband for the sacrifice. Verse 20, and before they returned home, Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, may the Lord give you other children to take the place of this one she gave to the Lord. Hear that prayer. This is the, the, the high priest blessing her again. And the Lord blessed Hannah. And she conceived and gave birth to, listen, three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Now, 
again, that went off in my spirit. How many of you guys know that you can't outgive God? Amen? If we could figure that out, we would stop being stingy with the personal resources that God has given us and our finances. Because you're never going to be able to outgive God in terms of blessing. You give him a little bit, he gives us a lot more. She received, what is this, a, a six-fold blessing in return? To God be the glory. I'm just saying. So when you feel oppressed, you should call out to the Jehovah Sabaoth. The, the second thing is, the second uh, uh, condition is when you feel overwhelmed, and we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on that, but just know that we saw David enter stage left, and we hear the taunts of the, the giant, and, and David's response we saw in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45. And David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. But help me out, somebody. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. And the word there is Jehovah Sabaoth. The, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defied. We said last week that he was able to accomplish this where his comrades failed because in their own eyes, they were mice and Goliath was a giant. But in David's eyes, <laughs> Goliath was the mouse and God was the giant. Somebody say amen. He was a giant with a big mouth. And so with that, I gave you four out of seven principles from that story to utilize if and when you start to feel overwhelmed. Um, the first one was we're always going to face giants quickly. I mean, there's never going to be, while you're on God's green earth, a time where um, you're not going to run into issues. You're not going to run into problems. There was always going to be giants in the land. Stop sweating it. There's a lot of people, when is this all going to end? Never going to end. Never going to end until we get to the other side of, of paradise. And so in the meantime, the good news is um, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, for I've overcome this world. Amen? And so God has set you up for a beautiful and awesome testimony. Number two, we said, stop measuring the giants that you face against yourself. Or measure it against the greatness of your God. Stop looking at your abilities or your inabilities and start looking at the fact that God can do all things except fail. Amen? Amen? And understand this. It's never just about you. It's about the God in you. Practice the presence of God. Stop acting like you're, you're walking through this life by yourself. You are not. Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you if, in fact, you know Christ if, in fact, he is part of your life. Number three, we said don't try to fight the giants with someone else's solution. Saul's armor didn't help David, and other people's solutions may not help you. It seems like we're always quick to ask this person and that person, and, and we're very slow to find the counsel of the Lord. We need to start looking to, to God and start applying his armor in our day-to-day -day situations. And the last one I told you last week was uh, stop running from your problems. Stop running from your problems. David, even though he faced, uh, you know, what does the scripture say? He's something like a nine-foot dude, and he's not the, and he wasn't one of these like basketball players today. They may, 
They may get great height, but they're usually pretty thin, unless you're like Shaq. But this dude was like big and huge, and, but that didn't intimidate him. Uh, he didn't run away like his countrymen did. He ran toward the giant as that sling was twirling in his hand, not because he was convinced in his own greatness or the skill of his own hand. He was convinced in the greatness of his God. And when he let that thing go, right before he let it go, he declared, I don't come against you with sword and spear. I come against you in the name of Jehovah Sabaoth, the one whom you have defiled. And, and Jehovah Sabaoth, I, always, <laughs> I, I, I like it. I always, in my mind, I, I always see when that sling went, I could see just, I don't, I don't think it took too many angels. I, I just think, I just think one, of, one of God's angels went like this. Just like that. And that rock took on the velocity of a shotgun or, or something because the Bible says even though he had all this armor on and he probably had on a thing, but it went like a bullseye right between and hit that dude right in the forehead and crushed his forehead. Boom! The giant didn't even know what hit him. In fact, it was lights out even before he hit the ground. Come on, somebody. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. And so David ran toward his problem, and with God's help, he defeated his problem. Stop running away from your problems. Stop running away from the, the, the anxieties that have been eating you up. Stop running away from the addictions that have taken over your life. Stop running away from these, from these things, you know. It's not helping or helpful to you to be running away from these things. But if you would humble yourself and you'd realize that Jehovah Sabaoth is on your side, you will get the victory over those things in your life. And the church said, amen. Let me give you the, the final ones. Number five is you need to verbalize your confidence in God. Verbalize your confidence in God. In other words, say it out loud. Amen? Say it out loud because it helps to, it helps to, to hear the words uh, and the positive confidence. Uh, confessions that you make. Too many people, they, they don't verbalize their confidence in God. They verbalize their doubts. They verbalize their fears. They verbalize curses rather than verbalizing what God is saying. They, and, and they claim all these things for themselves. Pastor, you don't understand my anxieties, and it's your anxieties. My, my illness, and you just you know, list it. It's, your, it's yours. It's not what the enemy's trying to put on you, but you've now claimed it as your own. It, 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 you don't understand, Patrick, I'm broken, and nothing will ever change. And that's the stuff coming out of your mouth. You apply faith to curses. You apply faith to death sentences and not life. Listen to me. That's not the right thing to do. It reminded me... <laughs> A few years ago, I was on a mission trip with our church, and about 30 of us had gone over to do vacation Bible school um, with a couple of churches. And, and on the way back, it was a great time. It was a great time of ministry. 
But on the way back, um, as we were flying out of uh, Jamaica and heading to the States, we must have hit an air pocket. And I'm, I'm saying it in a way that, oh, oh, we hit an air pocket. No, that plane suddenly was going like this, and all of a sudden, it dropped. And I don't know how far it dropped, okay? But I know that every since you, if you've fallen, you know what that feels. <laughs> and it's one thing to fall from a, a little stage. It's another thing to know that you're thousands of feet up in the air, and all of a sudden, you're going down. And people started screaming, and things started flying up in the air. And, 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 and I turned around just then because my wife was sitting uh, in, uh, with my daughter, and they looked like, like crazy, and everybody's screaming and panicking. And I had this little girl sitting next to me, little nine-year-old girl. She looked up at me right, right in that thing as this thing is going down, and she said, Sir, are we going to die? <laughs> And I looked down at her, and I said, we shall live and not die in Jesus' name. <laughs> and now, mind you, that was my confession. But in the moment, I'm like, Lord, I am declaring faith over this situation. Then I start praying in the spirit. <laughs> you know? And all of a sudden, that thing stopped and leveled back off along those lines. Now, unfortunately, for so many of us, when it feels like the bottom is dropping out, what's really in our heart starts to come out. And instead of faith that comes out, your anxieties start to come out. Your fears start to come out. And, it, and it, in, in many ways, I think you, you start adding faith to those things, and it's a mistake. And so what I'm telling you that when you start to feel overwhelmed, when you start to feel a certain way, you need to verbalize your confidence in God. Amen? Amen? Now let me give you number six. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Not who you were, because the Bible talks about the enemy spending a whole lot of time standing before the throne of God, throne of God and they call him the accuser of the brethren, and he's always accusing us before him, and he's always trying to remind us of our past. You know, you used to do this, or you were that, or you were this or that. And listen, I'm not talking about who we were, because my Bible says the moment I got B.A. born again, I became a brand new creature, a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen? Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So we need to remember who we are. David, although he was still operating as a shepherd boy, he had just been anointed king by the same Samuel in the previous chapter, and therefore he knew his position and his purpose. My question to you is, do you? Do you? Now, I love that story. I, I, I love the story because with David, he wasn't even called on when it came time to anoint a king over Israel. The, the, the Holy Spirit had told the prophet Samuel to go to the house of Jesse because from that home, I'm going to anoint the next king to, to replace uh, Saul, who had been disobedient. And he goes and he says, yes, I've got, do you have a son? He says, I've got, I've got several sons. And he calls out his oldest and he's good looking. Surely it must be him. Samuel was even caught up in the 
in the, you know, in the appearance game. And, and the Lord kept saying, no, it's not him. No, it's not him. And, and he didn't, and he brought every son before him except one. And the Lord had rejected every single one. And then the Lord, uh, then Samuel turned to him and said, do you have any other sons? Because I know I heard from the Lord. He said he's going to anoint. He says, I, I, I do have one more, but he's out in the field. Go get him. <laughs> the eighth child. His daddy didn't even think of him. Okay? It reminded me of that song that my old friend Dennis, Dennis, shout out to you too, uh, used to sing. He says, some may see a shepherd boy, but God may see a king. Folks, remember who you are. The scripture says that, that we are now part of the family of God. Amen? And so when, when the enemy comes at you, and he starts reminding you of your past. Uh, a pastor, pastor friend used to, my old pastor used to say, you just open up the end of the book and you remind him of his future. <laughs> Amen. Let me give you the seventh and final one. Remember who God is. Remember who God is. He is the commander of the awesome armies of heaven. And he'll go to battle for people who reach out to him in faith, God goes to battle when our backs are against the wall and he unleashes his holy host when we feel oppressed and when we feel overwhelmed. We need to call on Jehovah Sabaoth. And let me give you the last and final two scenarios of when you should call on him. You should call on him when you feel outnumbered, when you feel outnumbered. And I love this story. It's the story of Elijah and his servant in 2 Kings chapter 6. The prophet Elijah manages to enrage the king of Aram because as a prophet, he was an enemy of his people. And he kept telling his king what King Aram was doing even in his own bedroom. He kept reading not just his mail but his email and everything else. It didn't matter if he bleached it or or whatever he did to it, <laughs> the, the prophet saw what was going on and it was thwarting the plans of Aram. And word got back to Aram. And so this king decided that the earth did not need Elisha on the planet anymore. And so he was determined to get him and he found out that he was in a town called Dotham and he mobilized his army, complete with horses and chariots to surround the city to, and, and to set up an ambush to annihilate Elisha. That's the scene. And so when Elisha and his servants woke up from, a, uh, from their sleep in the morning, they were surrounded, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, chariots, everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Now, I could imagine in his mind, you know, he's like, what just happened? He, one moment he went to sleep and things were nice and calm and, and the world was, was, you know, moving along at, at the normal pace. And, and literally in one day, in one day he wakes up, uh, to a nightmare. He wakes up to what appears that all hell is broken loose against them. Anyone feel that way? I know so many of you feel that way right now. One moment, we're cruising along and everything is fine. 
the economy is fine, your job security is fine, your business is fine, everything is fine. And then all of a sudden, it, sounds, it, it feels like we've woken up to a nightmare, to a nightmare, and, and like the servant of Elijah. And your question is the same thing, especially if it's hitting your family hard. Oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? What am I going to do about the bills? What am I going to do about, you know, teaching my kids at home? What, what am I going to do about, you know, all these things? It just feels like you're surrounded. No lie, this is probably one of my favorite accounts because I love Elisha's response to his servant. Look at this, listen. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16. He says, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more more than those who are with them. And I can imagine the confusion on on the face of, of his servant, because, you know, you didn't have to be a mathematician to do basic math. He, he, he looked around and he counted the one, two, me and you, those are the ones who are with us. And then he looked around and he was literally surrounded by an army of people who were there to do them damage. I could imagine he was thinking, uh, Master, have you been smoking or drinking? or What are you talking about? But just like David and Hannah in the previous stories, Elijah wasn't looking at, at the bigness of his enemies or his circumstances or even the army that was surrounding him. Elijah was looking at the bigness of his God. Are you guys starting to see a common theme? Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of angel armies. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17. And Elijah prayed. Oh, there's, there's something in that word, prayer. He prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes. And he looked. And he saw the hills full of horses and chariots and, and a, a fire all around Elijah. Uh, in other words, he, he, there was the armies of the enemy surrounding Elijah, but over the hills surrounding his enemies were the armies of the Lord. Come on, somebody. <laughs> there is more with us than against us. There is more for us. They're not coming against us. Friends, never forget that. Never forget that. When you're standing next to Jehovah Sabaoth, you are always in the majority. Amen? No matter what is coming against you, no matter what, you are in the majority. Here's another one, a good one to memorize. Matter of fact, say it out loud with me. Romans 8.31. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? And the church said, amen. So when we feel oppressed, call on him. When we feel overwhelmed, call on him. When we feel outnumbered, call on him. 
But let me give you one last scenario, and it's a, it's a scenario with a twist. When you feel destitute, destitute of, of resources. In the book of Haggai, God had just brought the people back out of exile. And they got busy, understand that God was fulfilling a promise in their life, but their, their priorities were a little off because they got busy with their own priorities. And they left the temple, they left the house of God in shambles. And this is what God said. This is what Jehovah Sabaoth said. I said over 270 times, you hear his name being referred to. It's being referred to right here. It's Haggai chapter 1, verse 5 through 6. Now this is what the Lord Almighty, or the Lord Sabaoth, says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. I'm talking to somebody out there. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You just can't get ahead. In other words, God is saying that because my people, because the people have not put him first. They've become destitute. They've become impoverished. He explains further in Haggai 1, 7 through 9. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways and go up into the mountains. Do something. And bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see... It turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty? Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Friends, the the God of angel armies, listen to me, will go to battle for you when your back is up against the wall. He'll go to battle with you when you're feeling oppressed or when you're feeling overwhelmed and outnumbered. But he'll organize his troops against us if we stop putting him first in our lives. Hello? If we forget him altogether. Amen? And he does this not out of spite. He does it out of love. He does this to get our attention. He does this for his glory and for, for our ultimate good. So if it seems like you've been chasing investments and those investments vaporize before your eyes, if it seems like your money uh, 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 comes in only to be put in pockets with holes in it, If you feel like you never have enough, the Lord Almighty, listen to me, might be trying to get your attention. He might be trying to get your attention. And until you get to that place where you admit that you are going to be destitute or impoverished without him, things are never going to get better. Things aren't going to change. I don't care how much money they print 
in Washington. Until you fix your priorities and make him a priority, when you make him a priority, he makes you a priority. When you make him a priority in your resources, he makes you a priority as well. Until that gets fixed, it's always going to feel like you've got holes in your pocket. Now, you, ask, you may ask, Pastor, why, again, why would God do that as we come to a close? Listen to me. I think Jesus summarized it best of all in Mark chapter 8, verse 34. He says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news or the gospel, you will save it. Listen, listen. Verse 36. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message in, this, in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father and with his holy angels, with his angel armies. And so, as we come to a close this morning, if you're feeling oppressed, overwhelmed, or outnumbered, or even destitute, Psalms 84.12 says, O Lord Almighty, Jehovah Sabaoth, blessed is the man or person who puts their trust in you. My question to you is simple this morning. Are you ready to put your trust in him? He's calling out to you. And he's letting us know, especially in that last condition, what does it matter if you gain the whole world but in the end lose your soul? There are so many people that's trying to make sense out of what's going on in this world. And to me, it's, it's simple. It's the Lord of hosts simply trying to get our attention to say, listen, you can spend your entire life running after things and places and, you know, I got to get a bigger car or a bigger TV or more money. And in the end, Jesus just summed it all up. What, what, what does that matter? If you gain everything, if you win the lottery, and in the end, lose your soul. For what can you give in exchange for your soul? Your soul is worth more than all those things. And the love of your soul is doing his best to get your attention. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of angel armies, is wanting to reason with you today. Are you listening and are you willing to give him a chance in your life. If you are, it'd be my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer of commitment to him. I want everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes because I believe God is calling and he's calling people from all ages, young and old, 
He's saying now is the time to surrender your life to, to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now is the time to stop running away from him and start running to him and put your trust in him. Bow your heads, close your eyes. If that's you today, it would be my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer of commitment to him. Say, Heavenly Father, I come before you today. I acknowledge that I've made mistakes, many. And don't be flip about it. Because the Bible says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you. And the person who says they've not sinned is a liar and the truth is not in him. So if there's things that you're doing that you ought not be doing, tell him. Confess it. Ask his forgiveness. And trust that he will forgive you. Because he says, I'm not trying to condemn anybody. And you turn those things over to him. Father, forgive me my sins. Come into my life. Come into my heart. I believe you are the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me 2,000 years ago on the cross. Died a horrible death. Three days later, rose from the, from the grave. And because you live, I place my trust in you. And your promise to me is that I will live as well. Today, I surrender my life to Jehovah Zabaoth. I surrender to my, my life to my Lord Jesus Christ. Fill me with your spirit, with your power, with your love. Open my eyes to your resources and to the host of angelic armies. In Jesus' name. While every head is still bowed, every eyes closed. You may be facing one of those tough situations that I mentioned earlier. And God is telling you to turn it over to him. Turn it over to him. Turn it over to him. I'm praying that God will open your eyes to the truth that there is more with you than with them. I pray, Father, that you will, um, that you will show yourself strong. Show up and show off in their lives. That Father, even though the teacher is quiet on the test, Lord, you are you are develop, developing in them an awesome testimony. And we give you praise and glory for what you're doing in their life. Bless them in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Listen, I hope you enjoyed this service. Um, as I always say, if you gave your heart to Jesus, we'd like to know. So you can contact us either by the website or at least let someone know. Because Jesus says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. But he said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. This is not a time to have a whole bunch of closet Christians running around. Stand up and be noticed and, and, and trust that God is, is with you and will always be with you. We love you and we'll see you next week. God bless. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. 
So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.